0: This podcast contains explicit content. Listener discretion is advised. POV by Lustery explores culture, politics, and creativity in the sex industry, one point of view at a time. I'm your host, Arya Vega. Maitland Ward is a film and television actress whose body of work spans various genres. She's been in sitcoms, Hollywood movies, and these days, adult films. As a pornographic actress, Maitland has received numerous accolades. She's the reigning X-Biz Performer of the Year, and she's got exclusive contracts with adult industry giants, like the film studio Vixen and Fleshlight, home of the iconic stroker toy. Before we dove into our conversation, I asked Maitland to help me characterize the distinction between the work she did in Hollywood and her work in the adult industry. Declaring it as a genre is the perfect way to do it because... When you're putting it as something other
1: than or something taboo that's that has to be separated from society it's it really is harmful to well the industry as a whole but also to the performers who are always considered oh you're in that little box over there we don't want to touch you and uh if it was more accepted and i really think that it is being more accepted by society now especially younger people i feel so much positivity coming from younger people younger women who come up and say, "I'm so proud of your sex positivity and 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 what you're doing in the industry and like helping kind of bridge to mainstream in the industry, uh, I guess a legitimacy or a respectability about it because there's so many great performers and it's sad that they are
0: you know relegated to a certain place just because of that societal view." But Maitland's creative spirit was always too big to be placed inside of a box. Maitland has been in show business since she was a teen, but her passion for acting emerged even earlier.
1: Ever since I was very, very young, very small, I loved performing. I loved making films and stuff in my backyard. I loved playing Star Wars with my, my neighbors and my dog, who was my Springer Spaniel. And I was always Princess Leia, and I, I'd make movies with my friends and stuff, and I loved that. But it was it was kind of like an exploration for me and like a an outlet to play different characters because I always was very much... A good girl, and I wanted to be, you know, liked and nice and sweet and very, you know, follow the rules and stuff. Um, but the, playing different characters allowed me this outlet where I could, you know, if I wanted to play all these different emotions and different types of people, I could without it reflecting on me as a as a child, even so. It was just such a natural thing for me, and that goes into adult filmmaking, too. It was like It's another element of performance. But yeah, and I didn't start really pursuing anything professionally until I got my braces off, and, and I was, you know, 15, 16. And then very quickly after that, I got a role in a soap opera, which had been my dream because I always wanted to be a soap opera heroine, like... You know the girls that I watched on TV when I was young. So that was that was really a fairy tale moment
0: for me. In 1994, Maitland was cast as Jessica Forrester in the CBS daytime soap opera *The Bold and the Beautiful*. Maitland worked on the show for about three years, which was an enchanting experience, given that she grew up watching it at home.
1: What can I do for you? Oh, this picture of you and Charles Nestor here. Oh, right. Uh, I think that was uh, December. I think that, yes, it was. It was taken in December at the uh, Spring Collection. Oh, you actually know all these people? Well, uh, yes, I guess I do. What about Kevin Costner? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I've met him a couple of times at some charity events, yes. This
0: is so unreal. (laughs) Let me tell you, they're just regular people.
1: I watched the first episode ever when I was homesick from school when it came on and like so I definitely knew all the characters so it was so surreal to walk into a soap set on the soap like studio where all the sets and stuff that you know it's like walking behind the scenes and like uh, all these fantasy fantastical sets and stuff that you you know you grew up with and you you imagine you think that are larger than life and to walk onto a soundstage and they're all there and then Uh, actors who had been there since its inception and like seeing them it was wild just to like be integrated into that and for the most part most of the actors especially the established actors were so welcoming to me I'm still very friendly with them to this day like I have a lot of friends from the show actually more friends probably from Bold and Beautiful than any project I actually worked on more long-term friends but yeah
0: it was a great great experience to walk into that as somebody who had been such a fan. My introduction to Maitland came later, on Disney ABC's coming-of-age sitcom Boy Meets World, which aired from 1993 to 2000. Toward the end of its run, Maitland played Rachel McGuire, the sexpot roommate of Eric and Jack.
1: Oh, this is so much fun, the three of us living together. I know, nothing beats girlfriends. Mm. What movies did you rent? Oh, I have Little Women, Terms of Endearment, and Ever After. Mm. You know, I never got to watch these kind of films when Eric and Jack lived here. I'm so glad to see a movie with that booty in the
0: title. <laughs> Your character Rachel joins the show for the final two seasons. And Rachel is the protagonist's older brother's roommate, which sounds tangential, but Rachel is actually a, a pretty major character. And I'll describe in a minute what I loved about her, but I'm curious what did you love about Rachel and what drew you to playing her?
1: Oh, what I, what well, was funny because I didn't audition like for Rachel there was no audition for Rachel as I was auditioning for a pilot called Zoe Duncan Jack and Jane that the executive producer Michael Jacob T was and the team from Boy Meets World most of them were doing and um I lost the part to Selma Blair and because we were very different types like very different types um but Michael and the team liked me and they wanted to add me to the show the next year and so um I got a holding deal with Disney and stuff, so we had like planned it for a while to for me to join the cast. So, um, what I really liked about her, Rachel, I very much liked that she started. out, She was very smart when she started out. She was, you know, she was very motivated and and college oriented. Uh, she started out with heartbreak from her boyfriend. And she overcame that. I loved playing comedy and physical comedy. That was some, something that I had, like just loved to do. And I was able to do that on the show. And it was just a good group of people and a good cast. And, and we, and it was a well oiled machine when I came in. So it was, that was both good and bad because I came into something that was already going and running. And so I had to like really, you know, find my way and like catch up with everybody and like, You know, figure out how everything was done and not discover it with everybody for the first time. But overall, they welcomed me very much so when I first came on. So it was um, it was fun, (laughs) especially I remember tape nights were a lot of fun. Uh, It was exciting. I think there's nothing like filming a sitcom unless you're doing a stage play. Um, because you're doing it in front of the studio audience and they give you a lot of energy and a lot of, you know, feedback and stuff. And the funny, one of the funniest things we did as the last season was the boys every week did a whole Backstreet Boys routine to the audience. I mean, Ben would rip his shirt off. No, they. it wasn't just like they went up there. They thought that they could be a boy band. And I wish there was a video of this. We didn't have phones like we do now. But it was so every week. And they would, they would choreograph it, and they'd have all the moves down, and the audience would go wild. Ben was the most, he, he would slide across the thing on his knees, like, you know, that kind of. Ah, like when you're ripping your shirt open, it was really funny. <laughs>
0: oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, that show was full of life. And, and that's how I think of Rachel, too. Like, so much of what drew me to her as a character was how unafraid she was of taking up space. You know, as a kid, I, I was really tall for my age. And everyone made me feel really self-conscious about it and made me want to shrink And I remember seeing Rachel on TV and she was gorgeous and tall. I mean, which is to say you were gorgeous and tall. Oh, that's so (laughs) sweet. It's true. I mean, like, you know, seeing that and then Rachel even embraced her height by wearing heels. She had this fiery red hair and this big laugh and she wrestled with the boys and, you know, wasn't ashamed of her sexuality. Like there weren't a whole lot of women like her on TV in the Y2K era. And do you feel proud for having
1: portrayed her? I definitely feel proud of that. And yeah, it's so funny. She was, I, when I even looking back on writing the book, I was so surprised how, like, sexual she was for that show. I mean, we're not dealing with Melrose Place. It was like right. like she was living with her boyfriend and, and like, doing and like stuff like that. So it was a very weird time in the Y2K early 2000s for women. I mean, we had this thing where you'd be sexual and sexualized, but you had to be virginal, too, so, it was weird. so I remember distinctly, I say this in the book too, um, about when Michael comes to me and Matt and says, okay, you guys are going to have an affair. Like, you guys are going to have sex and this is going to happen. <laughs> and we were like, well, we are changing, but uh, Disney didn't want us to go that far with like actually saying that we were doing it. But... All I know is she has a bunch of nudie pictures for Jack (laughs) stored up (laughs) somewhere. And we still don't know how uh, how Corey and Sean found her nudie pictures to put up in the student union.
0: (laughs) I mean, yeah. And that's a perfect example of, you know, for all of while Rachel was unabashed in, in her sexuality, the show did seem to engage in some very regular slut shaming of her which is a conversation for another podcast and and it's an interesting dichotomy to hold like when you watch it you know with modern eyes you're like oh okay I remembered her as being so empowered and she was but I really didn't internalize the headwinds the cultural headwinds that you know she was up against just by virtue of being so young yeah it's really interesting
1: yeah it was very much so Rachel was like she was yeah she was sexual and stuff and they looked at her like this but then they would treat her not right. (laughs) Like when they went through her underwear and and like (laughs) looked, read her diary and they were like, Oh, we're cute. We should do this. Even the part where they stole my parking spot that I earned from my job and at the school. And it was like, well, we didn't want to walk or whatever. So it's like, yeah, it was very interesting. It's kind of like, it's kind of like back in those days, like I said, the sexuality, it's like, yeah, we want you to be sexy. We want to be able to pick it apart and, and use it for what we want to use it for <laughs> and how we want to see it and enjoy it or whatever.
0: After Boy Meets World, Maitland transitioned to feature length films. In 2004, she landed a role in the cult hit White Chicks as one of the women that the Wayans brothers impersonate while undercover as FBI agents. Wait, excuse us. Hold on, excuse hold me. on, hold on. We're actually here to escort you ladies to the Hamptons.
1: Ugh, bags on the plan. Take baby and clean out
0: his bag. Oh my God, he didn't have his colonic and he like pooped everywhere. As the 2000s wore on, Maylan found it increasingly difficult to escape being typecast, which was dimming her prospects in Hollywood. I kept trying to like fit myself into
1: Hollywood's idea of what I should be. Mm-hmm. And even then they were rejecting me because they, they only saw me as these characters that I was successful with when I was younger, but now they didn't want that character anymore, but they wanted me to stay that way.
0: Tell, tell me a little more what you mean. Was it, which aspect of those characters? I'm just more like young, fun,
1: like girl next door kind of feeling like, comedy, definitely all comedy. I couldn't get hardly any dramas to do anything. So it was funny because I started out on a soap, <laughs> but that was very dramatic. But everything else I had done is pretty much uh, a couple things weren't, but like um, I did a lot of comedy stuff. And then so they saw me as just that Rachel character and they could love the character and they could love it, but they didn't want it again. They just wanted to keep it there in a box in the past. And I think that happens a lot with people who are on young sitcoms and stuff you know to grow up on shows and movies and stuff you're kept in this box because everyone wants to remember how you were when you were young in this world and also I wanted to do different kinds of things that they didn't want to see me in at all like they did not want to see me be sexy or be dramatic or or play like really different kinds of roles so I kept wanting to do that, but they didn't want me to do it. And it was, it was just hard. So over time, I just, uh, I just got disillusioned with everything and I got married and we decided to go to New York, which is really a breath of fresh air for a while. And that's where I really, it was like, it was nice to be away from the Hollywood machine and really explore different sides of myself. And that's where I started to do erotic writing and started to really explore my sexuality, which is odd, like a a wonderfully odd thing after I was married. Because I I really feel that that, uh, the marriage and stuff was like an anchor for me where I could go out and, and explore myself and then come back to the anchor. <laughs> like, but yeah, that's where I really started discovering myself. And I really thought, I then I came back to LA and I w- went to, did screenwriting, or I studied screenwriting for two years at UCLA. And then I really thought I was going to just write my own roles or I was just going to write stuff. I was going to really pursue writing and writing scripts and stuff. And that's when uh, Girl Meets World came around, the spinoff for Boy Meets World for the Disney Channel. And that was, that was a whirlwind because everyone, like, discovered the cast they wanted to see what the cast was up to that was really when we discovered how popular the show had been at least in my opinion but i know others have said like we didn't know at the time how popular it was with people like your age growing up like and then over time the new audiences would watch it on reruns on the disney channel and stuff so future generation watched it too and then, so that's when we really figured out everybody was just going wild for Boy Meets World and Boy Meets World cast and stuff. And that was a really weird thing for me. It was cool because it was fun to get the attention and to hear how much people love the show and to see everybody again and, and connect and stuff. But then I had like spent a long time really trying to move away from that time, I guess, into a, do new characters and and my writing and everything. And then I was like thrust back into the spotlight as Rachel again. So I like, kind of like compare it to uh, like if you had a great time in high school or college and you had such, you remember your friends, you Oh, these were the best years, but you don't want to live there all your life <laughs> in high school. And it's like, and then I love like, like talking about Rachel and going back to that and stuff. But it was at that time, it's actually easier now to talk about Rachel and to, 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 do that. At that time when I was, they were just telling me all you can do is be that kind of character, but we don't want you as that kind of character. So it was like a really conflicting kind of thing. But so, yeah, so to all of a sudden be back in the spotlight as Rachel. But at that point I was like, oh, social media was new. My Instagram was nothing hardly. And I remember I went to the set of Girl Meets World and I took pictures and I took a picture with Mr. Feeney and I put it on my Instagram the next day. All the press had it. People were going crazy. And that's when I knew there was a lot of social media interest, but I decided just to like do my own thing and to not like I I decided just to like put my uh, like myself out there and be who I was. And if people didn't like it, oh, well, so I was going to do like my cosplay, which I really like to do. uh, And and then sexier photos I had, bikini pics and stuff. And I know everybody was discouraging me. Everybody higher ups was discouraging me. And I say higher ups with quotes, but but no, but the, like Disney people and all, everything would oh uh, any sort of publicists or managers or whatever you are gonna you're gonna ruin yourself. Nobody wants to see you sexy. They only want you sexy if you're 25. And it was very it was disheartening. But I think I got into a place as a woman that I could finally say, even with a little voice at first. I'm going to do my own thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I just did it. And then that's when the audience, so my following just started increasing and people started responding to that. And it was definitely the boy meets world crowd coming back, but it was also a new bunches of people who loved cosplay or just saw me as like this mm-hmm. in bikini shots or just like to see all my setups and stuff. Cause I did some crazy, funny setups and, and use social media just to express myself. So um, it's interesting. Once I started just. Being myself and doing my own thing, people responded to that more. And I always thought I just had to be another character in order for that to happen. But see, that's a lesson to everybody in every walk of life. If you live in your truth, you're going to
0: shine. (laughs) For a little while, Maitland focused her energy on writing and on her growing legion of Instagram and Snapchat followers, Posting her cosplay and other sexy shots online was just for fun at first. But then those platforms started to censor her, which inspired her next professional pivot.
1: First of all, the starting of the pornographic career was when I kept getting kicked off of things like Snapchat and Instagram or whatever, social media, where they saw my picture was a little sexy. You might be able to see a nipple through the the cloth of your shirt there was a hard bump in your shirt <laughs> like you know, they knew you might be nude underneath um but then i might some of my fans were like why don't you sell content and i really didn't know what that was exactly i mean new pictures and stuff and i was like i don't know if anybody's gonna want it um but i started a patreon page just patreon where you have patrons subscribe monthly like it was anywhere between 15 to 300 dollars for different tiers of like what content they'd want. It depends. You, you offer whatever you want. I was going to offer, you know, at first I was offering like, um, cosplay pictures and photo galleries and sexy stuff like that would be nudes like, but that wasn't porn yet, but I didn't tell anybody. I started the page. I started it like at one night, just did it up, whatever. And I was like, I I said, maybe I'll think about it later. And then the next morning there was like 20 people signed up and I was like, Wait, how did they even know about it? So I then mentioned it on my social media, on my Twitter and stuff. And all of a sudden, by the end of the week, I had like 2,800 members or something. And then it was like, grew from there. And it was like all these people subscribing. And I was like, oh my God, this is the moment that they told me I wouldn't make any money. And I'm like the number one adult creator on Patreon (laughs) right then. And so then over time, yeah. And I was just starting to explore more and more of myself and my sexuality. And my fans were along for every step of the journey. It was, it's wild that they have seen like all my stuff, like me discovering things. And it's been such a, a cool process. And I think I have a really good close relationship with my fans who've been there because of that reason, but it was like about a, a year and a half or almost a year and a half of shooting content for myself. First, I started doing girl, girl stuff and stuff with girls and then of course I bridged into working with two guys and um that was a pivotal moment for me because my husband was super supportive of me and he was there with me the first time and uh, um we had two um long-term porn stars male porn stars who if it hadn't have gone so well with them I don't know maybe it would have turned out differently but they were amazing and they taught me Everything along the way about performing and stuff. But I asked my one co star <laughs> who worked with me on my first content shoot with Full On Sex with Guy, like, what do you remember about that? And he's like, I remember you weren't nervous. And I think that was a testament. I was so, I loved it. I really came out of my shell and I could really express myself the way I wanted. And I just loved that. And so, but it, get back to the story a year and a half basically later, I was called by Vixen to shoot another scene. Uh, And I was kind of, you know, I didn't know, should I go into professional porn and stuff? And, you know, but I really wanted to get into that. And they were great. Vixen, when I worked with them, they were amazing. And it was like a regular film set. And um, so I was like, okay, this is fun because it's going to be like a huge production. I can really like see what it's like to have film and sex and everything. Well, at the same time that I was shooting these scenes, Caden Cross, who uh, had just launched her brand, Deeper.com, uh, with Vixen, because Vixen has a lot of different brands. Uh, but this was going to be the, um, the fully scripted, dramatic brand, like the filmmaking brand. Uh, she also had a similar vision, as I do and as I did, to create like films that were really well scripted and directed and, and used, uh, filmed just like films but also had sex. And I didn't know this at the time, but she was on doing her first feature film for Deeper.com called Drive. She lost one of her co-leads in the film that Saturday that my scene for Vixen came out. Did not coincide. It just, it was, it was, we were running parallel right then, yes. but she lost it. So she thought by Monday morning, this came out on a Saturday. So she thought by Monday morning, uh, she was going to have to cancel her, her shoot for drive because it's hard to find, I mean, it's hard to find somebody adult who can handle like a bunch of dialogue and it's a fully scripted movie and stuff. And they needed somebody who could really act. On, on this short-term, like, notice. So my scene was going bonkers because everyone <laughs> wanted to watch Rachel get plowed, but <laughs> but it didn't make a press event. It wasn't a press event yet. It was kind of a, it was a viral event, but, like, the internet crashed on it, or their, their website crashed on it when people were trying to get there. But, so she goes in Monday morning to the Vixen offices and is like, I, I lost my person. <laughs> and she's like, I think we, you know, need to we're not going to be able to do this. And they're like, talk to Maitland. She's an actress. So literally we met at Starbucks that afternoon and I read her script and I was like, Oh my God, this is a, this is a great script and it's it's a great character. It's like nothing I've played before. I was like this twisted, I was the sexual personification of another character. And I was this twisted person, very, it was, it was amazing. And I had little monologues and, and it was a full thing. And, uh, So we agreed. I I said, I'm going to do this. This is something that I've wanted to do in porn. And it was going to be a big deal for the company and everything. It was the launch of this brand and everything. So we did it. (coughs) Excuse me, my dog.
0: That was Maitland's dog, Teddy, chiming in to say he's proud of his mom. As he should be. I was also inspired by Maitland's courageous approach to navigating the press following her first major adult film release.
1: So when Drive was announced, I went to the press against everyone's Everyone's advice in both, for lack of a better word, mainstream and porn. Uh, I went against their advice because they said I would be ripped apart in the press. Everyone would say I was desperate. This is pathetic. She's just a sleazy porn star and all this stuff. Anything they, everyone was telling me this. It was a, it was the only thing there was consensus on in both realms of industry. Um, so, but I said, no, I mean, I know press people not, and press had been very essential in getting me attention for stuff that I love doing, like the cosplay and stuff. And but, so I went to the press and there was one uh, reporter in particular who she really was so caring about the story and the headline and everything. I mean, people couldn't believe like when it came out, it was like such a positive piece. She's congratulating you. She's like saying this is amazing. She's working on this. But people start picking up on that story (laughs) and a lot like and it went everywhere and it was just going bonkers on the Internet. Uh, And that's when I beat Bernie Sanders heart attack with a Google searches. (laughs) And that was the joke. Everybody said, you know, you gave him the heart attack. But it was true and it was wild. There was overall it was so positive positive. It was, it was, I mean, sure, they're going to say, oh, Rachel Nesborn. Nobody said she's, she's desperate and demeaning and like all this other stuff. It was amazing. And we had so many subscribers to Deeper that it just kept, they kept doubling and tripling. And it was so exciting because this site had just launched for Vixen like four months earlier. And this was the first big feature film. And I think, you know, it just was, it, it just was
0: bonkers. And,
1: and then I, quickly after that became um, the contract face of the brand.
0: It sounds like that's the project that made it apparent to, like— more people, like there had been some awareness, like people who followed you on Instagram or snap or whatever, like had known that you were doing this content, but that was the first time that it sort of like left your neighborhood, so to speak. And exactly. That is the, that's the way to say it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Because people who had followed me and they knew all that. So it was like this society, it was kind of secret. Mm -hmm. You could have, if you, you could have found it if you looked, but I mean, it was, but still for the world at large, it was like, that was the moment. That was the huge moment that everybody knew.
0: That's when everyone knew, and and I know that like you know many of the press coverage on this sort of um, characterize it as like a drastic or a major departure from um, the work that you know first made you famous. And did it actually feel like a dramatic departure for you, or was that largely a projection of the public?
1: I expect the like the dramatic headlines and stuff, but you know it's fun for clickbait, and people get to know you and everything. But it didn't feel like such a dramatic departure. Definitely. It's been so long and I had evolved so much as a person and, and a performer and just, you know, as a human, I wasn't. I think that when you're looking at someone like that, you just saw on television in a certain way, like when you're growing up or at a certain time in your life and then something like this happens or you, you it just rattles you because it rattles like what you thought of them or, you know, especially with iconic show, like boy meets world or, or anyone's that, you know, people grow up with. But it, for me, it did not feel dramatic. And that's the, it's actually the weirdest thing about it is this whole adult thing was so easy to I, easy. is not the right word, but it felt natural to me. It felt like, you know, it was a lot of hard work, but it felt like just what the most natural thing to me. Like I just love performing and I loved doing this and then, and it's so wild to think that I got, you know, I got better acting roles than than I could have ever hoped for in mainstream, like with lengthy parts and scripts and films and everything coming forward. And I got awards and I got, you know, just attention and, and my OnlyFans and I have my fleshlights. But I think it's really a testament to anybody who really wants to do something. You can do it. I mean, who would have thought at 40, I could go into being a major porn star, and you know, redefine so much stuff. So it's never too late. And you can always, as long as you're doing, living your truth and doing what you want to do and, uh, and not allowing others to control your narrative. I think that's the most important thing. And you can, you can really accomplish some things that people wouldn't think possible.
0: Nowadays, Maitland is riding the high of having just published her first book, a memoir entitled Rated X, How Porn Liberated Me from Hollywood. Writing it was a long process that began in the spring of 2021, and she's thrilled to see it come to fruition.
1: It's been just such a cathartic process, just going back and, and, and writing it. And I know a lot of celebrity memoirs are ghost written, but mine was 100% written by me. And, but it's just so wild, especially to look at yourself when you were really young and how you thought about things and, you know, how you did just everything about yourself back then. I wish I could like tell my younger self a lot of stuff, (laughs) but I guess that's part of the process. And I, and I remember like for years thinking, oh, I'm defeated. I can't do what I want to do. And I wish all of these things would just work out exactly perfectly the way that I want them to. But then I realized, especially when I was writing the book, like I wouldn't have a story if I didn't have all of the journey along the way. And I think younger people should really like know that like there are things that go not your way and that suck and you know, that make things hard. I mean, if you get through them, You have a story and it's much more interesting than just, oh, getting everything and being having things perfect. It's it's a much more interesting life to live.
0: (laughs) Definitely. I always loved um, Nora Ephron's expression. You know, everything is copy. It's true. (laughs) It's true. She's oh, she was so brilliant. What is what has been the most challenging part? of writing a book or particularly a part that was unexpectedly challenging.
1: The younger years were unexpectedly challenging and re-examining that. You really have to go into depth about that and you really have to like play your own psychologist sort of like, and and look back on all of that. That was challenging And, and getting yourself back into that space. I think when the, you know, the parts in the book where I write about porn and getting into the industry and stuff. They're more natural because they were they were not so far ago, so I feel like I'm still in all that, so I can really get that out really well. Uh, but then looking back, like in, in childhood, like going back to how you were as a child and and growing up and let, what, what I was really examining throughout this whole book about how my sexuality and my womanhood and all of it and growing was how my sexuality and womanhood and stuff uh, was developing and evolving along the way until really like mark that with every journey I made and Hollywood with being the, the back drop to it all, you know, cause that was so much a part of my life. Uh, and then it totally influenced my uh, sexuality and how I performed and how, you know, I wasn't seeing how I wasn't confident. And it was funny cause you were saying, cause Rachel was so confident and, and out there and like she was more of the sexier one and she was a sexual being on the show that, um, I didn't feel necessarily sexy. I mean, I felt like I was always like awkward. I mean, it was very like weird kind of to have anybody like whistle at me or whatever. And, um, it's, it's funny because when I was on the soap opera, I was so virginal and innocent. And, but I also like had long blonde hair. I think the red hair made everybody go (laughs) and the short (laughs) red hair. But yeah, I was just, um, looking back on all of that and, um, it was just a great experience to write it all. It's hard. It's, it was hard. It was harder than I thought, but easier than I thought as well. Cause I did it within five months and my editor is fantastic. Cause I, you know, I overwrite, I have so many stories and I'm, so she's great at like just compressing
0: everything and really like making it tight and stuff. And I just, um, I'm so thankful for her. I know that you studied, writing and screen writing at UCLA and some of that was erotic writing. Is that a future book? I really hope so. I would love to write like,
1: yeah, erotic fiction because yeah, it's one of my passions and um, writing my memoir, I would definitely, it was absolutely a passion, but I love that kind of writing and stuff. Like all, I took also at UCLA, I took um, short story and stuff. So I did a lot of that. My scripts were always very like dark comedy, like very twisted dark comedy with a lot of like sexual innuendo and <laughs> so um, so yeah that definitely I would look forward to doing that in the future that sounds like it would be a
0: lot of fun
1: oh and you know what's a lot of fun too is doing the audiobook so it's so weird to read your own story back to yourself and then in a room alone where you can only hear your own voice but it was fun I love doing it I would love to read the erotic stuff too in the future that would be cool
0: could you ever see yourself like directing porn or producing porn yeah you know what I wrote a couple of scripts for deeper
1: recently and I love to collaborate with Caden on stuff. Um so yeah, directing was never like my prime primary thing that I wanted to do. I mean uh, I love writing and acting and producing too. I mean I could yeah, I could definitely produce because I produced all of my own content and platforms and stuff. But I I'm, I'm having more of an interest and she's definitely Caden's very encouraging of me to to start looking at directing and stuff. I mean I if you have a good team behind you, I think that's it. But maybe I
0: think yeah, I think directing
1: will be my future.
0: Yeah, anything's possible with a great team. That's absolutely true. That's actress Maitland Ward. If you want to hear more about Maitland's life and unique career journey, you should totally buy her new memoir, again titled Rated X, How Porn Liberated Me from Hollywood. Don't forget to follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Maitland Ward. Are you a porn performer who also seeks out non-adult roles? Or maybe a formally trained actor who also works in porn? I'd love to hear about your experiences. If you'd like to appear on the show, hit me up with an email or a voice memo at askaria@lustery.com, at or you can find me on Twitter at Vega Dreamcast. If you're into the show, please leave us a five-star rating and a review. POV is brought to you by Lustery, and this episode was hosted and produced by me, Arya Vega. It was edited by Catherine Fisher and Adrian Teicher, and our show's creator is Paulita Papel. Lustery is the home of real-life partners filming their sex lives behind closed doors. If you're 18 or older, you can find us at lustery.com, and we're on Twitter and Instagram at lusterypov. Until next time, lovers.